Talk about grinding. That's where we're going. Filipowski got the roll, snaps the drought, and Duke pushes it back to a four-point lead. To Young. Against Alipe, tried to reverse it up. Knocked away, recovered inside, and it hit the end line. And we got a foul called? We do. And the ball game ends with Duke capturing a 65-64 win. This is the Five Point Play Podcast, the diehard Duke basketball fans podcast. AC, I feel like I say it every year, but, you know, kind of around this time of the season, if there are any diehard Duke basketball fans left, because <laughs> I feel like we've lost a couple. I feel like even though we prepped everybody before the season, have a lull, don't jump to conclusions, Shiner's not on the hot seat, but we have to do it every single year. You know, the same people that said Coach K had lost it are now saying that Coach K would never let this happen as if they oh, didn't yeah. remember any season prior to this one. It is astounding, <laughs> the overreactions, and we'll get to that. Um, we got to talk about the recaps of the two games that, that happened last week. Obviously, it's just the there in Raleigh uh, against them. Yeah, we're not talking about that. Nope, we're not talking about that. We're moving on. And then we got to oh, talk no. about... Getting out of Boston College, eking out a win. The meltdown after that, uh, in terms of what is Shire going to do, is he even going to be going to be the head coach by the end of the year? And we'll talk about something a little bit more concrete. Uh, the offensive woes on this team there there are plenty right now. We have a couple of theories on that, and you know, obviously, we'll give you some predictions um, for the games coming up. Um, and, and we're going to bring back the stock market because I feel like this is the time to bring it back, if we're all being honest, because we, we have a lot of people selling off stock right now, so it might be a decent time to buy. But let's get right to it. Uh, Jack, you can sit this one out if you want, but we got to talk about the, the blowout that happened. Uh, and I thought that, AC, the best way to kind of summarize what happened uh, in Raleigh was the very end of the first half when Duke had a few fouls to give. They're already down, you know, 15 to 20. And, mm-hmm. you know, Shira likes to try to use those fouls. And I feel like it's kind of like a lost art of, of how to actually use those. You don't have to just go out and foul right away. Like, let them do whatever, take some time off, and then foul. So Blake gets his third foul, and then, as predicted, the entire first half summed up perfectly. They hit a corner three, nothing but net at the buzzer. Just an absolutely fitting way to, to go into the half. Uh, it was just a disaster the entire night. Um, I, I don't even know. You know, Jack's probably right here. We probably don't need to talk about much, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it was just it was an ugly game. I don't I don't know what else to say about it. It was it was truly an ugly game, bro. Like <laughs> we, I don't know, man. We just we didn't um, we didn't execute early. Like the the story of that game was the first. What was it? I guess almost 20 minutes, let's say 17 minutes or so. Like we did the constant turnovers, constantly just taking it to the lane, getting the shot blocked. Like we crumbled under the pressure, man. in that, in the beginning of that game, because after we started over 11 with seven turnovers and seven block shots, we actually turned it around and showed some really efficient offense. The offensive sets actually looked really good. And, you know, we brought it back 
almost to a respectable score and then two turnovers later and two threes following those turnovers and we're right back down to 20 again. So that that was the story of that game. We played them even once we went down by 20, basically. (laughs) And so, you know, there you go. I don't don't know what else to say because it, it was a bad showing to start that game. Yeah, and you know, Jack. Again, if you want to chime in, you know, you can. But I, I, can. I will say I can. that. Yeah, I, I was saying, like taking a moral victory of you know saying that we only lost by two in the second half to NC State. Um, that just doesn't sit well with pretty much anyone. And I know that's not what you're saying, but it, it's just one of those games. We just kind of got blown out right away. We had what zero points in the first like seven or eight minutes of the game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's just you know, what do you do? I mean, honestly, it's just. It's It was not a good game. Duke tends to play poorly at state. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is either. And the other thing about it is, it's like every time Carolina goes in there, they have absolutely no problems. It's, yeah, it's but Carolina has me. issues with other random schools. It's true. But, I mean, it's like, State plays their best game every year when Duke comes to PNC. That's just how it how it's been. Do you guys not remember the 2020 team, which was ranked top 10 pretty consistently throughout mm-hmm. the year, losing by 22 at State in the Brotherhood jerseys? Absolutely, I do. Like this is not this is not a new thing. We've seen blowout losses to NC State on the road. National championship teams, it, you know, get blown out on State. So. I wouldn't call that one a blowout, but it certainly wasn't a close game. It was what twelve points, eight something or twelve, like something like it was. Either, it was eighty-seven, ninety-five, or ninety-seven, eighty-five. One like, of those man, two. Like, winning, winning on the road in the ACC is difficult. Like, can like every year? This is every year. It's like every game cannot be your best game. This was our. Hopefully, this is our floor. Hopefully, this is our worst game that we. Yes, like, that's that's the hope that. Really can't get much worse than that. That's the basement. That's also, it's not Jeremy. That's Jeremy (laughs) playing hurt and trying to do way more than he really, honestly, this is no disrespect to Jeremy. This is Jeremy Roach trying to do more than he's necessarily capable of at 100% while he's got a pretty bad foot injury he's trying to play through. Like, I think that hurt Duke a lot more than people are thinking. It did. Like I, I honestly think that the team played better when Proctor was running point this game. I would agree. And I think, the, yeah, go ahead, AC. But I feel like the only positive you can actually take out of actually both games really is the amount of minutes that Proctor got at the point. She's kind of running the team, running the team himself. Yeah, no, Proctor was great at the point, man. He was. I, I thought he looked good. I, th- I thought that's where I think that's where the team should go. I think that's the direction we should head. Um, I mean, moving forward, even when Jeremy comes back healthy, I think Proctor is better on the ball. He's he is a better passer. He can see over the defense a little bit more at six six five. Like there's there's lots of positives for putting him on the ball and letting Jeremy play off the ball. And we saw it in the preseason a lot with some of the videos Duke was even putting out. Jeremy playing off ball. So, but now he's suddenly back on the ball, and it's like, okay, all right, let's let's figure this thing out. So maybe John is is trying to give it to go one more time with him on the point and. Now that he's out, this is giving him a chance to let Tyrese run the show and see what he can do with it. Then switching gears to Boston College, um, you know, Duke picks up fourteen. You think you're in a coast, and you know they 
they hit another one of those offensive spells where they just couldn't put the ball in the basket. Uh, and they look very disjointed. And, you know, I give them credit. Uh, one, one difference that I saw between the two games, you know, there were quite a few, but one of the main differences is I saw that fight again, that even the stupid turnovers, even the um, last day's goal defensive shifts and rotations, at least I saw a team that fought at the very end uh, and was like, you know what, we're not going to lose this game. Filipowski, the block by Mitchell, um, you know, Whitehead hitting a couple shots. It's, and, and obviously Ryan Young kind of providing that leadership out there. Um, those are the positives that you can take away from, you know, what could have been a really, really ugly back-to-back loss. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, eleven the 11.09 mark was the last field goal we hit until Filipowski hit that one layup at the end of the game around the minute, like minute 30-something mark. So, like, you can't – that's where this team is lacking – We'll talk about this a little bit more in the offensive vote section. That's where this team is lacking that individual player, that person who can just go get it. Like right now, Dariq's not being put in a position to be able to do that. He's been, you know, the way the offense has been set up, they're getting him plays within the motion, which is fine. Like, cool. Like, fantastic at those plays. But every now and again, you do need somebody who can break the defense down. Once again, as Jack alluded to it earlier, we're missing Jeremy. Like, that was something Jeremy was really good at. Like, we're, we're missing that and we're missing it from another player, which presumably it's going to be Dariq. So, if we can get that back, if that can be a part of what this team does, that raises the ceiling for the the efficiency that we can actually possibly see with this team. The other thing is we got no bench production um, in, in that game, and that was something that <laughs> you know more or less uh, this season you know Duke has been pretty solid with. And you know, again, I'm not picking on your guy Jack, um, but you know as much. It, as much hate as Shire is getting, you're seeing equal amount uh, against Lively. Some fair, some very unfair, and I think we can talk about that um, in, in the Shire segment as well. But, um, you know, with Roach out, it just kind of means that other people have to also step up, and I just didn't see that from, from you know, the Grandisons, the, the Blakes, who kind of just fell off, uh, which, again, not fair to, to, to blame Blakes. Um, you know, he came in, kind of being that eighth, ninth guy, kind of hit a great spurt there and, and maybe coming back to earth or who knows. Um, but we got to get more production from from other guys as well. Yeah, those three guys actually um, are the three guys who got cooked. Grandison, Blakes, Lively. They, when Blakes was on the floor, Duke was outscored by 15. When Lively was on the floor, Duke was outscored by eight. When Grandison was out on the floor, Duke was outscored by 11. Everyone else had a positive plus minus. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then how fitting too, right before that game, someone put out like a plus plus minus, whatever, some some form of a plus minus analysis showing that Grandison and Blakes coming off the bench were the highest plus minuses for the team defensively and offensively. And and you saw this and it's like, okay, like calm down with the stats. Like it's one it is one game, but yeah, like that plus minus number one is a stupid stat, but yeah, it's it a stupid many- stat, but it it actually shows something in this game. It did, it did. I no, you're right. It did. Those three guys played honestly. Those three guys played horribly. Like, and, I, and, I, and I am a Duke fan. I will ride or die by the team, but they did not play well. I will also be honest when it's time to be honest. Yeah, and the other thing, you know, fifteen turnovers for the team. Um, you know, Flip had five of them. <laughs> <laughs> it, it happens, like you know, and, and Flip is one of those guys where you can live with some of them. 
Um, but, you know, again, you just can't have that many turnovers on the road against anyone. Um, and, you know, and luckily, it still luckily, boiled down to us not being able to hit shots at the end of the game. Yeah. Like, those turnovers, they wouldn't like those turnovers were piled up in the second half. Like, they were pretty equal for us in the second half. Yep. But, again, you can't go over 10 minutes and not hit a field goal. You can't do that. Again, so I would also like to point out that our team leader in assists got his final assist, I believe, something like – two minutes into the second half mm-hmm. and it was ryan young mm-hmm. five assists no turnovers yeah point uh, god you thank you siri i don't need you to talk to me right now um <laughs> siri's trying to get on the action too man <laughs> um yeah i think the lack of jeremy was apparent in this mm-hmm. game and it's i wouldn't say it's something to be concerned about the team's not exactly used to playing like this that being said i think the fact that Jeremy was the guy who was like looking to feed Flip and Lively down low is certainly showing up in mm-hmm. their stat sheets. Flip's taking much lower quality shots. Lively's honestly just playing like an end of the bench guy. Can I just say with Flip though, like his numbers have been about the same all season. He's been efficient all inefficient all year. And it's from a been, it's from a been more noticeable, and he's like he's having to make up for it. Yeah, I, mean, I think it's more noticeable because we're losing now. We're playing tougher, well, that too, tougher yes. Like when when things were going fine, it was oh, Flip's doing great, and we said it on this podcast. Hey, wait a minute, he's <laughs> he is doing he is doing playing outside of his his comfort zone and doing things that we didn't expect him to do, but he is still inefficient. Like he is still under fifty percent from twos. He's still hovering around the 32 percent mark from three. Like. Flip is just he just kind of the way we say Mark Mitchell's played the same all season. Flip has played the same as well, I, I think. But I, I think he made more honestly. He played, made more winning plays tonight than he has in a while. Like he was really out there scrapping that board he got, snatching it from the Boston College defender at the end of the game. Yes, that was huge. So crucial, man. Like the game game winning play. Honestly, like we lose that game if he doesn't. Yeah, that, he doesn't take that, game so. that and the block by Mitchell were the two winning plays. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I think yeah. I think with Flip, he's turning it over at a little bit higher of a rate now. That's that is what he's doing now that he wasn't. And that's before. something that he wasn't necessarily doing when Jeremy was the one who was trying mm-hmm. to get into the paint. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that's can, that's a bigger hurt. Yeah, you can see him forcing it a little bit more than you hoped that he would. Um, some of that might be playing out of position, um, trying to figure out how to play uh, consistently, consistently with out getting in the way of Ryan Young. Uh, and then obviously you have uh, Mitchell or um, Whitehead coming back, right? So um, you know, again, I think that's something we can talk about in the the flow of the offense uh, topic that we're going to get to. But first, I want to talk about the reactions to John Shire. Let's play. Settle in, um, because I think that when you're someone that is a big Duke fan, and there were plenty over the last specifically two to three years that we're ready for Coach K to move on. And you see you and I were kind of in that camp where it's like, you know, the game not necessarily has passed them by, but the landscape of college basketball has. And we all believe that Shire was the guy. And mm-hmm. we knew that he didn't have any head coaching experience and whatever. Um, so you give the guy the benefit of the doubt. And you know, obviously the benefit of the doubt, you know, kind of comes to, what, 16 games? And then that, then it, that benefit is gone. It's, you know, it's like if you start a new job uh, and then, you you know, 
if you're not producing within the first two and a half months, then you know you're getting canned. I, I hope that your your future bosses aren't going to be that that strict with you uh, when your performance is enough to snuff. I, I don't, you know, we predicted this would happen. We tried to warn everybody about this happening, and yet here we are every fucking year. It, this happens every fucking year. How many times do we have to do this? We knew that we're going to have a tough stretch. We have a tough stretch. We have a couple games in early January. Oh my God, clutch your pearls. We lose a couple games. We have a couple bad showings. We're going to lose a couple more. Just just brace yourselves. We're going to lose a couple more. And guess what? We're still going to make a run at the end of the year, and we're still going to be fine. We have our starting point guard out. He's been hurt for clearly for, you know, three to four weeks now. Um, We're trying to integrate our best player back in. And he's trying to figure this out on the fly with 11 new players. But yeah, it's Shire's fault. Capel's the greatest coach of all time. And God forbid <laughs> we lose tomorrow night at home. Oh my God, right? Yeah. Yeah. The you're gonna the we got the wrong one posts are gonna be wild tomorrow if we lose that game. We're not gonna lose that game, by the way. Spoiler alert. But um, you know, man, I, I put out a post on Twitter. I was like, you know, I'm I'm done. I'm done trying to coach people on how to be fans. Like it's a, it's a losing battle. It's a losing battle. Nobody's going to change what they do. You either just age out of it and just, you realize, you know what? It's not that important. <laughs> like, let me just enjoy it because this team is very, actually very enjoyable to watch. The thing that just irks me, it's like the double talk. It's uh, we want guys who can develop. Okay. never develops anybody. Right. Hope John Shire develops more people. It looks like John's going to develop guys. As soon as Jalen Blake's making shots, whatever. And now it's like, okay, this is a part of development, man. Like, there, there are going to be some bumps in the road. And there are bumps in the road with K. Like, we are a 12-4 and 4 team that is ranked nationally top 25. Like, ranked 24 right now because of the loss. But we are ranked. Like, and, and we're having this conversation about defending John Shire's job. Like, what are we doing, man? Like, like literally, what are we doing? I don't, I don't know that people actually realize the impact that they have on social media. We, we hear about it. We hear stories about it. You can just Google it. There's, there's plenty of stories about, you know, recruits looking at how fans act, you know, at games on social media and that factors into their decisions, man. Like, I'm sorry. It's true. Like that is not, we're not making that up. So DJ so just, Stewart deleted his Instagram. Yeah. I would just, just want to remind you guys, this, this actually impacts these guys. It does. It does. I would just implore fans to think about what it is they're saying online, tweeting at the players and stuff, man. Like, come on, stop, stop. Like, just, like, you know, we always yeah. make the joke. You always hear about the joke, like, would you say that to someone's face? Of course not. And I'm not. I don't think anybody here is telling you you can't be critical of the team or whatever. But when you start taking personal shots and like, you know, just going off of your rocker, you know, being belligerent about it, like that's just that that's just not cool for anybody. And I don't care what sport yeah. you're talking about uh, or what profession. It's just it's just mm-hmm. unacceptable. Um, but to get off that soapbox and kind of go back to something else that you said. I think it's true is is the the double speak. You're speaking out of both sides of your mouth uh, with 90% of this stuff. It's like, oh, well, Kay had a a, a short bench. Uh, Well, you know, the good thing about Shire is he's going to open the bench back. Well, you know what he should do is he should shorten the bench like Kay did. Okay, well, which one? You know, well, you know, I'm one guy who can do that. You know, you got to step, you know, recruiting all these, you know, five-star, one-and-done guys. Okay, well, he brought – he got a really good at the transfer portal. Okay, well, he got two or three or four or five of those – you know, I wish that he would keep guys. Well, he just recruited Jeremy Roach back and almost got heels. Um, he's the one that wanted Blake, the guy that you want to develop, and, and all of a sudden he's the best player on the team until he's not. So, 
Like, which way do you want to go with this? It's just, you know, pick a fucking lane and stay in it. Either ride it out with them or don't. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Um, now, if you want to critique Shire's actual performance so far, where would you actually do it, Jack? Because there's plenty of things there, for sure. Um, honestly, I... I mean, there's a little bit of decision-making here and there, like in-game decisions. There's, there's so, like... I can't honestly say that I could critique him. I'm not qualified to critique Coach Shire. I am <laughs> a recent college graduate who has not played organized basketball at a level higher than high school. I, I'm not qualified. I, I will say there are some defensive questions. People going after him for against state. I'm, I'm just going to go with this against state. People were like talking about, Oh, Shire's going zone. That's a stupid idea. Duke got stopped and cut the lead like uh-huh. to what? 13 in a yeah. zone. Yeah. Duke got stops. Duke actually played better in a zone. Duke played decently well against BC in a zone. We were plus against Purdue in the zone. That's what got us back yes. in the game. Brilliant move by John to go zone. I just wish he did it earlier. I agree. I think it's decisions sometimes are made too little too late. If I have to critique him on something, it's that. And the fact that Ryan Young, honestly, as good of an offensive player as he is, he really he can't play five in a zone but he can't play the four, and so you really got to pick your personnel. And I think Ryan Young, down in the middle in a zone, is a little bit of a white flag. You got to basically prevent the guys from getting in there and dare them to shoot, and hope they don't get hot. Which I guess is basically what a zone is in itself. But if anyone gets inside there, you're you're screwed. Ryan Young, as good of an offensive player as he is, he is equally bad on defense. Is, like, is he worse than anybody else, though, who's playing in the center position? It's a wonderful question that I really don't know the answer to. The I feel like we that, haven't seen enough sample well, yeah, size. Yeah, well, well, that's, this is my point, and this is my point about like critiquing John or whatever. It's like that's we, the we point. Can say, you we can, can say what we, right. We can say what we wish the team would do right now, and wish they could have, and wish they, you know, John should do. But what else has? What have the players done to prove that some of these things need to come to fruition? I mean, yeah. like. The rotation—that's one of the complaints I've seen. Who who has who has solidified themselves as the top five players on this team? Because as of right now, no one has done that. There's there's two or three guys who have put themselves above the rest, but in terms of a five, there's no five right now that has just said, "Yep, we are the five. I, I, I like I actually kind of like what he did with uh, Ryan Young starting in this lineup, just with how efficient he is in scoring. And one of our problems has been starting the game out offensively, so that it wasn't a bad move in his first three possessions. Points. Assist points for Ryan Young. So, it, you know, it started out great, but, you know, just couldn't sustain, which is fine. Like, that's we're asking more out of Ryan than what we should be expecting, maybe. But as of right now, no one on this team has just proven that just let me go take it. So, honestly, I feel like John is doing a hell of a job with what he's been given with this squad, quite honestly. Yeah. And I think they're also, I, I want really quickly, sorry, TK. I just want to say one last thing. People are saying, oh, Shire's going to get a bunch of developmental guys instead of the wine duns. We have like five guys coming in, six guys coming in next year, right? Something like that. 
Mm-hmm. I can't remember off the top of my head. Yeah. A bunch of guys coming in next year and not that many scholarship players with no years of eligibility left. Right. In fact, one. Right. <laughs> um, so there's that. There's also like people are forgetting. Yeah, of course, Duke Duke guys, Duke's rosters were headlined by these one and done guys. Jack White, Jordan Goldwire, just just going back a few years. Jack White, Jordan Goldwire, even Vrankovic came up huge in a game in that 2019 season. Shout out to him. He's, he's a great guy. Um, <laughs> nah, for real though. Justin Robinson, who started out as a walk-on, mind you. Mm-hmm. I'm not even going back that far. Wendell Moore wasn't viewed as a one-and-done guy. He was a two- to three-year player, and look at what he was, a two- to three-year player who developed and was incredibly good last year. You look at, like, even... Even Joey Baker, Alex O'Connell, those are guys who, yeah, they didn't finish their careers at Duke. Neither did Goldwire. But, like, Goldwire's his biggest one, going from a two-star recruit to a starter in an ACC all-defense. But, like, all these different guys, like, even Grayson, yeah, he was a four- or five-star recruit. He was a multi-year guy from the start. Quinn Cook. Like, do I need to say more? Coach K got the developmental pieces, too. Mm -hmm. These are guys right now who the top of the top there's only like one or two guys really in all of college basketball that were like one and done level talent rated coming in that are playing like it. Right. Yeah. These are, these are guys with two. I'm sorry, TK. I, I just got to finish this one sentence. <laughs> Good. These are guys who had their two most pivotal evaluation development years in high school taken away from them. And that, that is why the rankings and the freshmen are, who are not necessarily playing up to expectations are in the situation they're in. You yeah. need to stay, take a step back and think about that. Yeah, I, I completely agree, and that's a great point. And I think that the other thing is, is that we, we try to tell you that this particular freshman class, uh, even though, you know, mm-hmm. valuation-wise, yeah, the one, the two, the three, you know, best player, whatever, um, yeah, maybe that's what they were, but Compared to other classes around them, there are no Zions, there are no R.J. Barrett's, um, there are no Apollos, and that goes across the board of college basketball, not just that too. Mm-hmm. So you can't, it's not always an apples-to-apples comparison when you're looking at just recruiting rankings. I believe next year's class is going to be much better than this current year's class, mm-hmm. because the talent level is just much better. Uh, and that's Absolutely. the point about, you know, talking, you know, with the, the years that they missed, and that's huge for their, talk about development, that's huge. Um you know, and then, you know, talking about our best player, which is which is Whitehead, he is just now getting going. Give him some time. Give him some time. And outside of him right now, I don't see a one-and-done player on this team. I'm not saying that they're all going to come back. That's not what I'm saying. But he might get a couple more than normally would happen. And I don't think this is right. the same type of class um, as the Brakefield and where everybody else just left. So... You know, to me, it's, it's going to be there may be a couple of guys that stick around. I hope that they do because then next year you're talking about, oh, look at the development John did with these guys. <laughs> you see what I'm right? saying? Like that, that's the double speed that I'm talking about. These exactly. guys are fucking freshmen. They played four games in the five, six games in the ACC. Like, give it time. Yeah. No, that's, that's, I mean, that's what it boils down to, man. Like, give it time. Like, this is a developmental team. This is, this is the team that leads into the next team, and that, that's kind of how college basketball works. And all the people pining for the old days of four-year players, if, you, uh, if you're honest and you think back to those teams, 
when your four-year player was a freshman, unless there were some other four-year players there ahead of him or that, you know, that were really exceptional in, in leading Duke to titles, which only happened a few times, then that person's freshman and sophomore years were probably ugly. John's freshman and sophomore years were ugly. And then you could see the development happening. You could see the junior year improvement. And then you saw what happened senior year, national championship. Like, this, this is how it goes. When you want and you have four-year type players and developmental type players, this is exactly how that progression goes. So, and we have a team full of it. Like, it's not like we have a bunch of returning guys. So, that's it. Like, that's, that's, as far as I would go with it, like, that's it, man. Like, keep saying you want John out, whatever, that's fine. Just keep that same energy when we're winning titles next year. So yeah, it's it's just so stupid. Um, all right, let's switch gears here and talk about something substantive, and talk about the offensive woes. That actually is a, a situation, right? We we can't mm-hmm. go through stretches where you have five, six, seven minutes where you're not scoring the basketball. I don't care if you're playing Eastern Shore, BC, <laughs> Pitt, Carolina. It doesn't matter. You can't go through long stretches where you're not scoring. And AC, I'll kind of kick it over to you because you are a resident coach here. What are you seeing offensively? You know, because sometimes it's baffling, other times it's missed shots. I can live with missed shots. But, mm-hmm. you know, what are you seeing strategically, schematically out there that we're just not getting it done? We're not hitting twos, man. We don't we don't have a presence in the middle or a player that's getting to the rim to hit twos. And we talked about that alpha score. We're missing that big time. And one of the things an alpha score will do, they will get, they will get you easy two point buckets. So like winning on the road, which this team doesn't do well right now, winning on the road takes turning teams over and, and hitting two point shots right now. We're not turning teams over. As soon as ACC play started, our turnover numbers dropped and we're not, we're not hitting our twos. And one of the other things that's happening to us because of that now is we're turning the ball over a lot, like a lot, a lot, like, over 15 turnovers a game basically in ACC play. So that's, that's not acceptable, man. And, and I think that's where you're seeing a lot of the troubles happen. Because if you, if you look at the numbers, we're only two possessions less than last year's team. Last year's team scored 80 points a game. We're actually shooting more field goals and making more field goal uh, free throws, excuse me, than last year's team. Uh, we're only one three pointer down from last year's team, 6.9 versus 7.9 last year taking the same amount. So it's not like this team is taking an inordinate amount of threes. We're taking the same amount of threes that we took last year, almost identical. And we're getting the same amount of two-point shots. We're just not making as many. We're actually making four or almost four or less two-point shots than last year. And that's where the difference is. That's where you see the difference between the two possessions and then 80 points per game last year versus 72 points per game this year. So we're just, we're not like, we're not maximizing our possessions with two-point shots. Like we're not a good three-point shooting team. Let's like that mindset just whatever this team's mindset is with that it's either we either need to get better with it in the next two months in the season which is next to impossible to just get better at shooting throughout the season that much better anyway or we need to find ways to get more efficient two-point shots that aren't just throw it to ryan young and hope he can quadruple pump fake his way into a jump or into a layup so that that's that's where i'm seeing the biggest difference man like flip i love flip to death i joked around earlier in the season called him a plumley because He's he misses layups, man. It's such a high clip. And it's like that's we saw that in early in Mason's career. I'm not comparing the players the same. We saw that early on. And then Mason kind of got tired of it and just started dunking on everybody. Like I'd love to see Flip start taking it more aggressively to the rim. Dariq, I want to see Dariq get more opportunities in ISO and get more opportunities to slash to the basket. Jeremy, getting Jeremy back and healthy is going to help some of these numbers because Jeremy was pretty adept at getting to the basket and actually finishing off the glass. So we get a couple of those things, man. I, I think you'll see the improvement in the offense. 
Yeah, Jack, I know you wanted to talk about, you know, Jeremy not being there and kind of what that's done for this offense. It's made everyone have to make up for it, honestly. Proctor, yeah, Proctor. Proctor can fit in as that playmaking guard really well. Probably, honestly, better than Jeremy. I think the the team's at its best when Roach is off the ball and Proctor's the one running the show. Mm-hmm. But Roach is the one who was feeding the guys down low. Roach is the one who was creating two-point and some three-point opportunities for these guys. Yeah, Whitehead can do his own thing. He had 18, which was and probably, honestly, his best game so far. Against but most of shots were threes. Yep, exactly. Proctor shot 0 for 5 from 2. Didn't have a single good opportunity mm-hmm. inside the arc, if we're being completely honest. Yeah, no, no, truly. And that's one of the areas he's been good. Like, Proctor has been good. Proctor's mid-range, mid-range has been probably his best aspect offensively. Mm-hmm. And yet just, he was 0 for 5 from 2. Yep. I just, I want to see him, I want to see him develop into that point guard this team needs, man. Like, this team, I, I really feel like a team needs a point guard, like a, a point guard, point guard. But, like, this is definitely a team that needs somebody to set them up more. He's and, Duhan if Roach is Jay Will, although right. to a much lesser, much exactly. lesser exactly. extent. Yeah, but but no, I mean you're exactly right. Like let Jeremy be the one who's one of the scorers, and Terry's takes that that pressure off of him. Yeah, the thing about the thing about Proctor's shot though is he has a good shot. They just aren't mm-hmm. going in, mm-hmm. and you know I know that when you're shooting twenty six from three, it's like well, clearly the ball don't lie, but I he think he's actually. I actually think he's a good shooter. So yes, he he's like some of those are going to start dropping, and when they do, work out. And and I hope it happens this year. It may not happen, but mm-hmm. he's too good of a shooter. And talk about shooters. And you know, we talked about Shire before, and and rotation wise, does he try to figure out a way with all the shooting woes that we have to try to get shoot in the game at some point a little bit earlier on? Because the one thing that the kid can do, we know this, is shoot the damn ball. I, yeah, I it'll, be it'll be interesting. Go ahead, Jack. I, I don't know if it's going to happen, but honestly, I really wouldn't hate it. I think, I think we're at the point where, I think we're at the point where we need a shakeup of some kind, and I think shoot could provide it. People haven't really scouted him much, honestly. Like. He opens up the floor. He opens up the floor. floor. The team needs that, especially with no Roach. The team can continue to go nine deep until Roach is back by adding shoot to the rotation. And the other thing about that, the other thing about Jack, is that if we want Tariq Whitehead to start driving a little bit more, we got to space the floor for him. Oh, yeah. You need so much more spacing than they, Mm -hmm. they currently have. It's they're like teams have been packing the paint. Yeah, and that's one it's of something the I haven't even like. I didn't even bring up. I don't think anyone's brought it up yet. Teams no. pack the paint against Duke and make them shoot threes. Yeah. And yeah, Whitehead is hitting. But well, like, when you have Whitehead's hitting, and no one else, Ryan, when you have a Ryan Young who can only operate between the blocks, then yeah, like you're you're gonna get what we're getting right now, where we're, teams are just packing the paint like that. So that's that dude that's where cuz cuz Ryan Ryan has been playing well and he's been playing efficiently and he's been like a senior one of those senior type players for us even though he's not a senior but one of those senior type of players but that's that's where lively needs to step up or where the rotation becomes Mark Mitchell at the 4 and flip at the 5 where we Please. can spread the floor because 
we said it before the season, and I'll say it again, as well as he is playing, and I'm loving what Ryan Young is doing for this team, if he is playing more than 15 minutes for this team, something has gone wrong. And so far, what has gone wrong is Lively hasn't proven his defense is enough to keep him on the floor, and we can't score on the interior with the guys that we have at the moment outside of Mark Mitchell. I also think that improved spacing could help Lively get a few more buckets or a few yeah, buckets absolutely. at all. Why could it not? Like, right? Like, exactly. You saw that to Mark Williams. Like, being able to catch, start just Mark Williams would start his his runs from the top of the key, and he'd catch so many lobs off of that man. Like, yeah, of course, Derek Lively could could better. Lively's way bouncier than that, right? I think it's so much easier. I really, I just, I think we need we need more Mark at the four. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. Yeah. I, think that's that's the the I also will say Flip for all his offensive woes at the hoop has a higher percentage within three feet than his two point and three point jumpers added up. He's shooting a higher percentage within three. I'd have to look at that man. Cause he, he, he's shooting close maybe, to 60%. Maybe, maybe it's at my the eyes. He's, he's, we have that number 60%. It's about right. 58 and then it's right. 26% for uh two point jumpers and like 25% three point jumpers. Okay. So he's hitting more layups than I feel like he's hitting then. He is. It's, it's the shots that you don't think go in how does that compare to players that are similar though like like she way she way at 60 percent is he at like let me 80%. pull up the, like, the reference and i can actually give you that right now yeah and like while you're pulling it up the other thing is, is that he's attempting more shots than anybody on this on this team so while true. it might be 60 percent you know how many are you missing to get you know the others um, exactly man. all right flip is 59.6 percent now at the rim 21 and a half uh or 23 3.1 from two on jumpers and 26.4 on threes. Oscar Shibwe. Mr. Efficiency. 71.6% at the rim. Okay. 30.2% okay. on two point jumpers, and he hasn't taken a three. Right. Okay. So a 10% difference. It's not like it's anything monumental, but. But when they're at the rim, it's like when you're when you're at that, well, you know, you got to have a little bit. The the ten percent is monumental when it's two feet from the from the basket. Right. No, it's, it's, not, it's, not, it's, it's not, not high volume. He's not jabbing, but at the same time, right. <laughs> you, had you had to yeah, do it. Yeah, I had to. I had to. You had to get one. <laughs> okay, that was an easy one. I put it in. <laughs> yeah, but no, like. We just look at this BC game. I won't take this jab in disrespect. He shot sixty-two percent at the rim. No way! No way! (laughs) Jab and win. I was a senior year. What game? Senior year. What game? (laughs) On on what? Three attempts? Oh no way! Uh, Let's click the button and find out. (laughs) We're going down a rabbit hole. Sixty-one attempts. Before we go too far, all I want to say is. Just look at BC with Flip, and every time he caught the ball against Langford, he he turned the ball over. It was like, yeah. bro, like you have you have at least seven inches and probably 30, fifty to sixty pounds on this kid. Like, what is happening? Like, how can you not just bully him down low? Like, it, a lot of, he's doing a lot of extra things down low with like trying trying to get cute with footwork or spin moves and such where really he could just dominate some guys with as wide as his shoulders are and the way he catches the ball. Like it's, it's wild that he doesn't just finish stronger, man. 
Yeah, the, if the you see John yelling at him coming off the floor, like John, you can see what he's saying. He's saying the same thing. Yeah, the the other thing you kind of brought up a good point um, is, you know, good offense a lot of times comes off with defense, right? And over the last few games, I don't know if you guys have picked up on this, but we're losing every 50-50 ball. Mm-hmm. We aren't getting the rebounds that we were before. We're giving up a ton of offensive rebounds, and we're just flat out clumsy when we when we do have the ball with with the high turnover rate. And that's going to affect your, your points per game, of course. I mean, that's just obvious. Mm-hmm. But it's going to affect the amount of easy buckets that we can get. And if that's one critique that I can give, I, I don't know how much of that can really be attributed to John because at the end of the day, like the 50-50 balls, he's not out there. And it has to come down to I want this ball more and I'm going to secure it and hold on to it. And that's when you kind of do those drills, like those old school drills you see back in the day where you fucking mm-hmm. rolling out with two guys and the, the guy that wants it more is going to get it. And yeah, I feel well, like you kind of go back to basics when you were talking about. Go back to basics, basic footwork, whatever. But it, it, it comes down to if you want to get easy buckets, you got to get the fucking ball. Right. And and one of the things I mentioned earlier that you see us that see dropping an ACC play right now is us creating turnovers. We're not creating turnovers right now. I'm not creating a couple of those extra possessions that can help you win games and get easy buckets. Like, we're not getting the fast break points. We're not scoring a lot of fast break points or game or getting even, even getting those opportunities as, as often as we were at the beginning of the season. And as we have seen other Duke teams do in the past, and I'd, I'd like to see us get back to that. Like at least, at least three of the four more opportunities on the fast break this season than we have been getting. All right. So I think what we got to do here is flip it over to the stock market. That's right. <laughs> there is plenty, there's plenty of good prices to be had because <laughs> everybody has sold off the stock already. And I think it would be easy. Crypto file sale out uh, here. Um, I think it would be easy to, uh, you know, go with Whitehead and, you know, uh, even Ryan Young at this point. So let's leave them out of this. And we're going to leave Roach out of it as well because he's hurt. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think we're going to leave Lively out too because you know everybody's on his own and you know if you want to buy, go ahead. It's pennies on the dollar. So let's let's focus on a couple of guys and the guy we've been talking about the most. I think here is Flip. Um, AC, what is your stock recommendation here for Philip Halsey at this point? I would say hold, man. Like I don't, I don't think he's going. I don't think he's going to be monumentally better, and I don't think he's going to get any worse. He's been very consistent with who he is all season. And I, I think he's going to get the same amount of shots he's getting for the rest of the season. I think he's going to rebound at the same rate. We saw how well he could block shots against BC. So maybe if the move happens where he goes to the five, then you might see a few more block shots per game out of him, but nothing that's going to just completely change the game. So I, I, I just I see him being the same player he's been, man, which is fine. Like, it's fine. So I say hold. Jack? AC took the words out of my mouth. All right, that's, hold. yeah, that's three three holds. Then um, another guy we talked about a lot so far here is Tyrese Proctor. Um, AC to me, this has to be a buy. I don't think there's yeah. another choice um, because to me, his stock is about as low as I believe it's going to get. This is a guy that Bo Jack and I thought would be uh, in the running, if not the uh, ACC Freshman of the Year with Whitehead out, um, and and so. Uh, again, I'll, I'll I'll be bullish on this one. See how I did that with the stock market? I'll be bullish on this <laughs> one because I do love his shot. And even though they're not going in, I, I think it's just a matter of time. 
he's getting valuable, valuable minutes uh, at the head of this team. So I'm going I'm to buy all day on, on Tyrese. Yeah, it's a buy for me, too. It's a buy, like, especially with possibly a new role for him. Like, I really do think that this time with Jeremy being out is going to solidify that he's going to be our point guard. I really do. So if if that does come to fruition, then, yeah, like, straight up, let's start, start buying now while you can because if if he does take over that point guard role and it does prove to be a a lucrative thing for this team, then, yeah, man, like, there it is. Jack? Bye. His shots are going in and out. I don't really think I need to say anything other than that. This is a guy who could be averaging five or more like extra points per game if his shots didn't have a slightly different spin to them. This is a guy who is playing way better than his numbers and I think he's going to improve, especially like AC mm-hmm. said, with this new role. I really think he's uh, he's primed to break out. He, he has some money on the line too, man. Like, he, yeah, some he's presumably he's presumably <laughs> one and done. So, <laughs> right? Like, I mean, if if he's going to prove that he's an NBA player, he's got to do it now because I mean, you got Caleb Foster coming the next year. Like, I don't know, man. <laughs> So let's talk Our about rotation's gonna be crazy next year. Proctor, yeah. Proctor's really got to do it now. Uh, J- Jacob Grandison, uh, to me here, this is a. Are you, I'm not sure if you're allowed to do this, uh, but I'd like to split this. Um, I would buy if he's at home, and I would sell anywhere else. <laughs> yeah, right. Like you're not wrong. <laughs> you're not wrong. I mean, it's the story of this team, right? And how fitting that one of our upperclassmen one of the tra- the transfer is really like mirroring what this team is man road road play awful home play great like yeah i don't know man because <laughs> we really need, we need the athleticism he brings the length he brings on defense we really need that so i i don't know man i, I would go with sell especially if we're talking about Jaden shoot getting time and stuff like I, if Jaden's getting time he's taking it from grandison He's not taking it from Blake's. He's taking it from Grandison. So I'm going sell on Grandison. I don't know if his stock gets any higher. Jeff? I don't know if it gets any lower. Yeah. I, I, don't, I, mean, I don't know. I don't know why you would sell right now. I think you could. You can hold. I, I certainly wouldn't buy. But I, I, don't, I don't know if, if selling is a good idea. I think he's got a lot of potential to get better as things change over the course of the season. Does he though? Like he's a six year player. Like he's been around for six years. He's the same guy. He's always been. If, if anything, actually this season, he's been worse than he was at Illinois. And he has the possibility of a freshman taking his job. Like truly that is, that is a possibility that is on the table. If this team keeps struggling on offense and he doesn't provide anything for us on defense. There's something I, I, I've been holding on speculating about this, obviously. Well, it'll be obvious in a sec. Um, Ryan Anderson, when he signed with the Rockets, was one of the worst shooters in the NBA at home and one Mm -hmm. of the best on the road. Said he had a colorblindness issue and that the red in the odd, like in the stands (laughs) and on the rim were making it hard for him to read the rim. I'm pretty sure Duke has basically only played red teams on the road so far. 
There we go. So I go. hate to speculate. <laughs> but no it's, it is something that's been in the back of my mind. I hate to say it, but I sincerely hope it's not the case. I I have I I intend no disrespect to Jake. I'm oh, just God. saying that it's something that's been in the back of my mind. I'm in, man. I'm all in. That, that I mean, didn't Trayvon Duvall? Didn't he have like some near sighted? Yeah, an actual. No, he was like literally blind in one eye. Yeah. Okay. A lot of plays. He's actually uh, doing really well right now. He just he's like 17 points at halftime in a G League game right now. Nice. Nice. Um. Oh, listen. I, I didn't think we were going to go down that route. That is, that is some kind of like really Wall Street insider like knowledge that it, it could almost be insider trading. So we might not mm-hmm. even advise you on that. Um, <laughs> all right, Again, I don't know if it's true. It's just something that came into my head a few games ago. Yeah, and you can't see Jack winking right now, but if you could. Um, all right, <laughs> so we'll finish this one up with. Um, ah, we want to go here. We got to go with two games that are coming up here. Jeff Cable, who, let's just, first of all, talk about how well he's doing this year with mm-hmm. all the things that have been going on at Pitt over the last couple of years, much of which isn't even on him. But uh, the turnaround and obviously beating Carolina, thank you. Um, he, he's done an excellent job, and, and all the Duke fans out there that you know wouldn't give him the time of day, obviously – now are saying that he should have been the next coach like they knew it all along. Completely forget, completely forgetting his first couple of years there. Um, AC, talk a little bit about Pitt and, and kind of how we match up. No, like what a job, what a job Jeff Cable's done, man. It, I mean, to start the season, they had, a, I think they dropped a couple of head scratchers, but then they've really picked it back up, leading the ACC. I guess well, Clemson is now, but and and for, he he lost his one of his best players in John Hugley, so. Like hats off to Jeff. For gotta be for him, him and Brad Brennell have to be front runners for ACC coach of the year right now, man. Like good for them. Like Pitt Pitt plays a tough they play that old Pitt style of basketball, man. Tough. They're Bulldogs, they get after it, they turn you over. They're like fifty seventh in the nation right now and in, in turnover creation. I think they their opponents get like eleven average eleven turnovers a game or something like that. So they're over double digits, good for them. Um they, they rebound really well, especially for being a kind of a guard-heavy team. They rebound very well. Uh, most of their guards are the ones who get their boards. And, like, they, they shoot well from two, man. Like, if you can if you can force them into anything, you can force them into three-point shots at times, and they're not extremely efficient from three. So I, that's why I would like to see us play some of that zone and, and, and force them to the outside a little bit more because defense on the perimeter has definitely been a struggle. The, the past few games in the past past few weeks, really. So playing that zone, playing that matchup that we play at a times, I think is going to be, is going to be fortuitous for this team. So give me, I think we'll see it. I think we'll win this game at home. We'll be close. Give me 73 to 69. Jack, what do you got? Hinson and Burton scare me. But I think that Duke is the better team, and I think that this is a game that's at Cameron, so the entire team will play better because much like last year's team played like two years ago's team at home and played like 2012 Kentucky on the road, it's quite the opposite here where we got Mm -hmm. 2012 Kentucky at home and the team of two years ago on the road. (laughs) 
I'm gonna say that they they shut it down, and they pull out a I won't say a blowout, but a decently decisive seventy-eight to sixty-seven. So that if this might be a game you see us down early, and then you see us come make one of those like Duke comebacks at home. I wouldn't be shocked if you guys remember the uh, the Tatum Giles Jackson year. Duke played Pitt, Mm -hmm. and was like it was a pretty close game the entire first half, and then Duke just broke away in the second half. Yeah, I mean this team, you know, at home is a completely different ball club, and you know, coming off of two tough games. Home cooking is exactly what we need. I, I do think that we find a way to win this one. Final like you guys said, I think we'll pull away a little bit in the second half. So give me 71 to 62. Uh, and then, as you guys alluded to, uh, Clemson 5 0. Um, we're going to Clemson where they're 8 0 at home. <laughs> and we know how we play on the road. Not too good. Um, mm-hmm. So, AC, kind of break it down for us here. Um, I'm not going to lie to you. This game scares me. Yeah, I mean it's it's a road game. I I had predicted this when we talked about our our the second quarter or second third of the season. This is one of the games I I mentioned would probably be a loss, and I don't I'm not changing my mind. This is a team that's undefe- undefeated in ACC, and it's for a good reason. They play really good defense. They turn you over once again. They turn you over at a higher rate than Pittsburgh does, and they they rebound. They don't rebound extremely well, so I think that's where you can if you're going to beat them. That's where you can beat them but they're also going to shoot threes at a 40% clip. So we can't really sit in the zone against them. We're, we have shown in the ACC play that we're struggling defending the three right now. So I think that's where you're going to see Clemson really take advantage of us. They're going to pull our bigs to the outside and shoot on us. That's what Brad, Brad Brunel loves to do. And defensively, he's going to go against us with his own. Like, you know, he's coming with that. He's going to either pay, play pack line D or he's going to play zone one to two. So he, he knows what our weakness is. Like he's a good coach, you know, he understands it. So I, I predicted this as a loss. I'm going to stick with it. I just I don't think it's going to be NC State style. I don't think we're going to get devoured in, in Little John. I think I think something around like 69 to 67 is probably going to happen to us. Jack, what do you got? It's a really good team. Their best player from last year has been coming off the bench lately. I think. You talking about PJ Hall? Yeah, yeah. PJ Jalen Johnson's son Hall. <laughs> uh, he will always be remembered for that in my head. This is a team where their big guys can shoot it, though. Hall, Tyson, yeah. Tyson, who's averaging a double double. He can he's yeah. shooting at like forty five percent from deep. He's Something having a like good that. season. Man. He's having an incredible season. Excuse me, forty three percent from deep. He's having an incredible season. They have Hemingway, who's back, who's averaging about ten. This is a good team. Like this is. Again, this is the team whose best player last year is coming off the bench now in the last few games. I think Duke can pull out a win. It will not be pretty. I'm going to say 72 to 71, Duke. Your optimism. Um, I tried to pull that optimism card last week, and when I'm against my better judgment, <laughs> AC, you kind of mentioned it earlier, where. You know, if I would have just stuck to what I predicted in the second and third of the season, um, I would have been right. But no, the emotions got the best of me. I'll be the first one to admit mm-hmm. it. And um, I'm going to go against my better judgment again because I picked Duke. To, <laughs> I picked Duke to, I, wait, wait, wait. You're not going to like this. I picked Duke to win this game, and I know that they have a chance in hell of winning this game. 
So, oh, okay. Right. I, think, I think Clemson wins this game 77 to 64. I think it's mm. another, I think it's another ugly loss for us. I think it's another game where we struggle to find ways to score. Um, and the game's just going to wear us down and they're going to hit uh, threes at a higher clip and, and it's just going to be an ugly game. So, um, yeah, so 77-64, Clemson in that one. I hope that I'm wrong. But we got two games coming up. Two huge games for John Shire. Two huge games for this young team. Wednesday, tomorrow night, 7 p.m., ACC Network against Pitt. In the friendly confines of Cameron Indoor. And then we're going on the road to Little John. Saturday, 5 p.m., ACC Network. Let's go Duke. Let's go Duke. Let's go Duke. Hey guys, thanks for checking out the 5 Point Play Podcast. Like, comment, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Also, check us out on Twitter and on Instagram. 5 Point Play Podcast. Let's go, dude!